From WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. Good day, I'm Bob Pavlovich. On the show today, Louisiana's gearing up for general elections November 18th. Today, we'll hear from Lindsay Cheek and Liz Murrell, the Democratic and Republican candidates vying for the job of Attorney General. But first... A new report by the Prison Policy Institute has found a steep drop in people granted parole and early release throughout the U.S. over the last few years, with Louisiana experiencing one of the most dramatic declines. And in addition to granting parole less often, the report also found that parole boards heard fewer applications. Richard Webster reported on this for Verite News in New Orleans, and he joins us now for more. Rich, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Can you start by breaking the numbers down for us by what percentage did parole grants fall off in Louisiana and across the country over the last few years? Sure. So as you said, um, this was the Prison Policy Initiative conducted a survey of about 26 states, including Louisiana, concerning the number of people released from prison on parole. It was between 2019 and 2022. And what they found was that in all but one state, those numbers dropped significantly. And Louisiana's had one of the steepest drops out of all the states. Uh, and you know, the number of people granted parole by the Louisiana Board of Pardons and Committee on Parole fell 59% during that four-year period. And just to sort of explain sort of the parole that we're talking about, there are two types of parole. There's discretionary and presumptive. Presumptive is basically when parole is built into someone's sentence, and after a certain amount of time, should they meet requirements, they're automatically released. Mm-hmm. And what this report was looking at was discretionary parole, which is when you have a parole board and they look at the specific case, the person, and they make a decision whether to release someone based on their own subjective opinion. So that's what this report looked at. And you know, as you said, parole boards not only granted fewer requests for parole, but they heard less cases. In Louisiana's case, the parole board considered in 2019 a little over 2,000 uh-huh. parole applications, and that dropped to 995 last year. What are some of the explanations for this in Louisiana, the main reasons that we're seeing in that time period fewer paroles? You know, since basically all of the states that they surveyed had significant drops, the authors were looking for some of the reasons, and one that they posed was politics. So, In Mississippi in 2019, they had one of the highest rates of granting parole to people. But that year, the board granted parole and released this convicted murderer. And there was a lot of public outrage. And then in the ensuing three years, their percentage of parole releases dropped by nearly half. Mm. So, you know, they're basically saying that members of parole boards are often appointed and they are susceptible to sort of the public will and outrage But in Louisiana, we interviewed Andrew Hundley, who is with the Louisiana Parole Project, and he believes that the drop in Louisiana was not based on sort of a change of opinion. It was based on uh, a package of reforms that were passed in 2017 that were designed to decrease the state's exploding prison population. And so basically, really quickly, that um, made a whole new group of people eligible for parole. So you had this huge new rush of applications, which caused the numbers to rise. And then once those people were all granted parole, the pool of people who were eligible dropped. We're speaking with Verite reporter Richard Webster about the steep drop in paroles in Louisiana and around the country. Rich, what can you tell us about the Louisiana Parole Board, uh, the, the backgrounds of the people on the board? 
The parole board is usually made up of people who have a background in law enforcement. They're appointed by the governor. One thing that sort of a lot of people in the criminal justice community are anticipating is when Jeff Landry, our current attorney general, assumes the seat of governor in Louisiana, that those numbers of paroles granted is going to drop even more. They expect that he will appoint a brand new board of parole and pardons with people who are sort of sympathetic to his tough on crime approach, which naturally would result in a lot less people being granted parole. What are some of the consequences of granting fewer paroles? And not just for the individuals that are involved with it, but let's look at it from a macroeconomic level for the state and our economy. Sure. So in 2017, when the Justice Reinvestment Initiative was passed, and this was a bipartisan partisan package of reforms designed to decrease the, the prison population in Louisiana, which has led the country for 20 some odd years. And the reason it was bipartisan was because it was pitched in a, a financial way, because this is a lot of money that is spent on corrections in this state. And so during the six years that those initiatives have been in effect, we saw the prison population in Louisiana decrease by 24%. That mm -hmm. resulted in 152 odd million dollars in savings. Some of that went back to the state, but the vast majority went to programs to deal with recidivism and also to help victims out financially. So when you're talking about fewer releases, you're talking about an increase in the prison population, those savings being wiped out because it costs a lot to house people in prison. So besides if people look at it at one point through public safety, this is very much a financial discussion because the costs will go up exponentially. So do you think that with Governor-elect Landry's tough-on-crime platform, it could come down to a money issue? Well, so that's interesting. In talking to people in the criminal justice community, they think that the arguments that were successful in 2017, which were made based on money and financial reasons, that doesn't play as much in 2023 because the national political tenor has changed so much that there is in a lot of these races in the presidential races and the congressional races that a tough on crime approach because some cities have seen a spike in crime we're going down now but there is sort of this successful campaigning on the fear of violent crime and people i've been told the argument about the economy and how how much it costs is not as effective anymore as this sort of fear of the violent crime rise Richard Webster, reporter for Verite News here in New Orleans. I'm sure we'll be talking to you again and keeping an eye on this. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much. On November 18th, Louisianians will go to the polls to vote for the state's next attorney general. In the run-up to the election, Louisiana considered will be speaking to candidates for the remaining statewide offices. The runoff for AG features Republican Liz Murrell and Democrat Lindsey Cheek. We've requested interviews with both of them. Joining us today is Lindsay Cheek. Lindsay, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Bob. I, I appreciate it. You're new to politics. Why did you decide to run? Uh, I decided to run for attorney general um, about probably um, about a year ago. I was approached by the Democratic Attorneys General Association um, to consider running. And I thought about it for a while. I, I talked to John Belton, who was running I told him he's a friend of mine. I said, well, I'm not going to run against you. And he said, well, if you're going to run, I don't want to run. And he eventually ended up withdrawing in June. And that's when I made my final decision to enter 
the, the, the fun world of statewide politics. Mm-hmm. As an elected attorney general, you're independent of the governor's office. If you're elected, how would you work with Republican governor-elect Jeff Landry, who has very different views from you on things like uh, abortion and LGBTQ plus health care? Uh, I think working together and being is crucial, right? That is, uh, that's what democracy is about. You know, Jeff has been, I guess, I want to say a thorn in the side of the governor, our current governor, John Bell Edwards. But I, I would work with him. I, I would hope we would be able to work together to make Louisiana better. I've seen um, his transition team. I'd like to see more diversity. We need women in places uh, with voices and LGBTQ persons also, and people of color, uh, black and brown folks. And we need to have as much diversity as possible because that, to me, that's what makes Louisiana such a great place to live. So what do you see your role or responsibility as the elected attorney general to to hold the line, to, to, to moderate Landry, to perhaps block him? It depends on what, you know, I'm worried about my city, New Orleans. That's where I live. Um, I've seen the transition team that's focusing on New Orleans um, for some reason. That, that could be related to crime. The attorney general's role is not generally to intervene in um, criminal cases. Attorney General actually has no constitutional authority to file criminal cases on behalf of the state against any individual or anyone. The role of the Attorney General, in my um, opinion, is that it's a consumer advocate. You should be protecting the people and consumers, Louisiana, uh, particularly those in areas like Cancer Alley. Um, We shouldn't have Cancer Alley in 2023. Uh, Louisiana should not be a dumping ground for the carcinogens and toxins and waste products of the 800 plus refineries on the Mississippi River. So I would focus more on ensuring safety for people who live in those areas and for workers enforcing EPA and OSHA regulations, as opposed to focusing on uh, restricting or regulating the freedoms and rights of individuals. As AG, what role would you play in Louisiana's redistricting case? You know, the redistricting case, especially even here lately, has been, uh, that's I've been asked about that quite a bit. Ten days ago or so, uh, the Supreme Court d- declined to, it kind of created some confusion because they declined to review the map approved by the state legislature that was then overturned by, the, overturned by Judge Dick. I think that Louisiana needs a, a, a another minority congressional district. The population of Louisiana is about one third African American, and our congressional leadership and representation in Congress should reflect that. What's the biggest issue facing the next Attorney General in Louisiana? Let's say over the next four years. You know, criminal justice reform, supporting efforts in those in that regard. I would focus on issues like. Uh, having a viable, working, effective reentry program. My brother, one of my brothers, is a convicted felon who went to prison for a few years for something dumb he did when he was 17 years old. He got in a fight on school property with a 15-year-old and was charged with aggravated assault on a minor. But he was able to take advantage of a reentry program at the prison he was at in Texas, and he came out with a welding certification, went back and finished college, 
and now has a daughter and earns six figures a year and is a contributing member of society. On the crime issue, I think identifying issues sooner than later and not putting a stamp on someone's back for the rest of their life if they made a mistake, especially as a juvenile or when they're young. Um, consumer protection, again, is another huge issue. I, don't, I think we have essentially a non-functioning consumer protection and consumer advocacy division. If we had a functioning protection division for people, we wouldn't have Cancer Alley. Um, we wouldn't have you know, some of the insurance issues we have. The attorney general should be working and fighting for the people of Louisiana and to protect our environment, the environment Coastal erosion is, is a huge problem. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there should be a civil rights division in the attorney general's office to protect and promote the civil rights of, related to discrimination, voting rights, um, and other constitutional concerns, access to health care, reproductive health care in particular. I think we, should, we must have at least rape and incest exceptions uh, to abortion. Uh, doctors should not have to call their lawyer before they make a private medical decision with a patient. And that is the situation that uh, women and doctors are in since the criminalization of abortion. Turnout was historically low in October's primary, especially among Democrats. You won 23% of the vote compared to Liz Merrill's 45%. How do you feel heading into the general election? Um, I, feel, I feel pretty good, actually. Um, the Democratic Party of Louisiana has definitely has some issues. <laughs> All of the issues have that have been coming out lately, especially from related to Sean and the other statewide candidates. We've been we were given essentially no framework, no assistance, no money, kind of sending us in blind on these races was a failure on the part of the Louisiana Democratic Party as well as the DNC. These races cost a lot of money and funding is crucial, but we just, the, the financial resources available to Democrats compared to what Republicans have, especially this year, was just so skewed, right? But I, I'm focusing on my race and we still have three really good statewide candidates in runoff elections. What's really exciting to me is no matter what, there will be a woman uh, Secretary of State and a female Attorney General for the first time ever. That to me is progress, right? Lindsay Cheek, Democratic candidate for Louisiana Attorney General, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. From WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Bob Pavlovich. We'll continue our conversation with the candidates in the runoff for Attorney General with Republican Liz Murrell. Murrell currently serves as the state's Solicitor General, a position she was appointed to by Governor-elect Jeff Landry, who created that position while serving as AG. Thanks for being here, Liz. Glad to be invited. A lot of people see you as Jeff Landry's second-in-command because of the relationship in the Attorney General's office. How do you feel about that characterization? Well, the, the role of the Solicitor General is a high-ranking role at the Attorney General's office. Um, that job has afforded me the privilege of defending us and against a lot of attacks on the laws of Louisiana, which is something I've always had an interest in. I came there before the, the position was created 
um, when Jeff got elected to be the civil division director. And part of what drew me back into uh, working for the government uh, in a full-time capacity was the ability to defend the constitutionality of our statutes. So that was work that I was interested in. You know, that's part of what I do. And then also defend us against federal overreach, which has, you know, driven some of the the lawsuits that I've filed against the Biden administration. I am defending our right to govern ourselves in the way that we deem appropriate through our elected officials. So I think it's something that's very, very important to preserve our role in a constitution in the Republic where we share sovereign powers with a federal government and we need to preserve our separate identity as a state uh, that is ruled essentially by people that are elected at the local and state level to make policy. The attorney general is an elected office, not not an appointed one. You and Jeff Landry have been working together, politically speaking, for a long time. How have the two of you worked together in the past and how might you distinguish yourself from the path that that he's trod to to, to blaze your own trail, as it were? You know, we've worked very well together during the last eight years when he's been attorney general. I have uh, over 30 years of legal practice prior to that. I have worked at uh, in the state and in the federal government in every branch of government in some capacity over the course of my career. I have um, raised four sons. I've been married for 30 years. I have navigated uh, the career path of being a full-time mom and a full-time career lawyer. And I've done a lot of pro bono work. I've done pro bono work on the legal work. And I've also done pro bono work in disaster recovery after Hurricane Katrina. So I really do have a very deep and wide practice. And I care a lot about Louisiana. I have been here my whole life. I was born in New Orleans. I was raised in Lafayette. And I've been in Baton Rouge, um, raising my family and working for the past 35, maybe 40 years. Jeff Landry said a big reason that he ran for governor was that the AG can do very little to address crime. You've you've made crime a big part of your campaign. What can you do as attorney general to address that issue? Well, we work very closely with the district attorneys already, and we have an uh, investigative unit that they're not street cops. They they are really more like detectives. So we're one of only two agencies that have the authority really to do that, state police and LBI, the Louisiana Bureau of Investigations in the Attorney General's Office. We frequently provide services to rural parishes when they need additional help, particularly in more complex kind of investigations. Um, And on the, the prosecutorial side, we take all recusals from the DAs. And so I intend to work with both of those groups to see all of the ways that we can provide support and to the people of Louisiana so that we can help roll back some of the crime in this state. And I've started by talking to the DAs about putting together an advisory board and the same thing with the with the sheriffs. Louisiana's in a bit of a redistricting limbo after the Supreme Court declined to block the attempt by the Fifth Circuit to prevent the creation of a second black majority district. How might you address redistricting uh, redistricting as, as the attorney general? Look, the attorney general's job is to defend the statutes that are passed by the legislature and the work of the legislature. The legislature passed a map. So there's a validly enacted law by the legislature. There's been some litigation over that, and it's all been very preliminary. 
So the state is going through the process of defending the work of the state legislature. And I believe that we have approached that litigation entirely appropriately to defend the work of the legislature on the map that they drew. If, if it doesn't meet judicial scrutiny after we go through all of the appellate levels and after we've had an actual trial on the merits, then, you know, my job will be to defend the work of the legislature if the legislature goes back to draw a new map. I mean, I stand very firmly behind the job being that of defending the rule of law and the system of separation of powers and and also defending our role to, as the legislature to draw those maps. As Attorney General, Jeff Landry signed a letter with 17 other state AGs requesting access to information on residents who receive abortions or gender-affirming care outside of the state. Some are concerned that this information could be misused. Where where do you stand on that issue? Uh, I'm I'm not sure which letter you're talking about. I haven't I haven't seen that letter. Certainly, if I have seen it, it's been some time since I've seen it. So I don't know that I would agree with your characterization of it. I think that the legislature has been put back in. Um, in the front row seat of legislating issues on abortion. And my job will be to defend the laws that the legislature passes, which I have done in the past. So if the state wants to get that information on residents who receive abortions or gender affirming care outside of the state and they pass that law, you have no trouble defending that? I, I, I don't I really don't know what that looks like. I mean, I, I couldn't even answer that question if I wanted to. I really don't know what that looks like. I mean, I, I don't I think that that is an issue that has been uh, built up by organizations that simply want to stir up an issue and make it look like the legislature is going after women um, or children. I do not believe that to be the case. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody who wants to do that. In fact, our laws are very protective of women uh, who obtain abortions. So, you know, we do not prosecute women who've obtained abortions. So I think that, you know, this issue has been mischaracterized. The legislature's efforts to protect women and children uh, it has also been mischaracterized. So I, I really couldn't answer that question without knowing what exactly I'm looking at. If elected, what would be the first thing that you would do? Well, I think the number one priority for me and for everybody else that's running for office right now is... Um, is to address crime. We have three cities that are on the top most dangerous cities in the country, which is a terrible statistic. So we need to address that problem and we need to have all hands on deck to address that problem. It's not just the governor's job to do that. It is also local government's job to do that. It's going to take everybody. And then beyond that, I'm gonna take a look at what we've been doing in our office and some of the other divisions. um, We have seven divisions in our office and I run only one of them. So, you know, I'll take my own close independent look at what we're doing and make sure that I believe that it is responsive to the needs that we have right now in our state. And I will make the changes that I believe to be appropriate. And I know that the governor-elect will support me in making those decisions and uh, in, in moving us in a direction that is responsive to the needs of our people from our agency. Liz Morrill, candidate for attorney general, I'd, I'd like to thank you for your time. Well, thank you for having me. It's been great to be with you. 
From WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge, you've been listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Bob Pavlovich, and thanks to our guests, reporter from Verite News, Rich Webster, lawyer and Democratic candidate for Attorney General, Lindsey Cheek, and Republican AG candidate, currently serving as the state's Solicitor General, Liz Murrell. Our managing producer is Alana Schreiber. Our assistant producer is Aubrey Procell. Our engineer, Garrett Pittman. You can listen to Louisiana Considered Monday through Friday at noon and 7 p.m. It's available on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. Major support for Louisiana Considered provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience. More at Rouse's.com with additional support from Southern Strategy Group.